Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. What's up, Ocean Hills? Thank you so much for tuning in with us today. Let me remind us why it's so important that uh, we tune in to church online. You you never know, I never know when God's going to show up, when his spirit is going to touch us and move in our hearts and rain down on us with his love, with his mercy, with his grace. And and moments in our lives when God shows up, it, it, it causes us to return to him, to come back to him, to be responsive to him. The scriptures say that when we do hear his voice, we, we shouldn't harden our hearts, but we should turn towards them. We should be tender and soft. So I invite you, uh, as you get ready to hear a great message this morning, to allow your heart to be soft and tender to the Lord and be open to what he wants to do in you and then through you this week. Before I bring up uh, our guest speaker who's on our staff, our mystery guy, I'm gonna tell you in a sec, I wanna just simply say thank you for your generosity. You know this, but churches, uh, we are 100% supported, not by, we don't get a grant, we're not on some scholarship or something, it's 100% the generous donations of people like you. And we're so thankful that here we are a year, one year now into this COVID thing and online church. And we're really in a healthy, thriving, flourishing place as a church family. And it's because of you and your generosity. So we hope that you'll still keep giving and supporting. And uh, now let me bring up our guest speaker. He is a DJ. We love him. He's a on our staff, been on our staff now and part of our church for several years. We love him. And uh, DJ's a great communicator. So open your hearts and uh, and then be responsive. DJ, get up here, man. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more and the morning breaks eternal bright and fair when the saved of earth have, shall gather over on the other shore and the roll is called up yonder i'll be there when the roll is called up yonder 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 i'll be there i bet you didn't see that coming Welcome to Ocean Hills. Uh, I, I will say before I go anywhere, don't go away. Let me reassure you that was the first and the last time that I will be singing today. So please don't tune out after you just witnessed that. That was an old hymn called When the Roll is Called Up Yonder. And I did my best to imitate my favorite singer of that song, Johnny Cash. Now the original writer of that song, he wrote it out of wondering what we all wonder sometimes. What happens when we die? When this life is over, when we go to heaven, what do we do? What do we say? What happens? It's a question we've all wondered. And in the 25th chapter 
of Matthew, Jesus gives us some insight into what that last day will be like. He goes through a couple parables and stories and he's trying to tell his disciples that they need to be ready, that they need to be at work, that they need to be doing the things that Jesus would want them to do. But what are those things? How do we know? What can we say? Fortunately, Jesus didn't leave us alone. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Matthew 25. I'm going to read all the way from verse 31 to 46. So buckle up. This is going to be a wild ride. Starting in 31. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the angels will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you were doing it to me. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, away with you, you cursed ones into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? In other words, what are you talking about? And he will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refused to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. Again, welcome, whether it's your first time or whether it's your thousandth time. This is our text today. Like it or not, we're going to dig into it. And the title of my sermon is The Things That Make God Happy. The Things That Make God Happy. To help us remember the stuff I'll teach today, I'm going to go through a few different images for you, like golden retrievers and ice cream. And then at one point, we'll get to atrial defibrillators. I don't even know if I'm saying that right, (laughs) but we'll get there eventually. First, I want to go after a question. You see, as followers of Jesus, we believe that we could never do enough to somehow earn God's love. God's love and forgiveness, we believe, is a free gift, the gift of grace that we simply receive by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible says once we've received his love, we get to live eternally with God. In other words, we we get grace through faith. But read this passage, right? Go back to that passage for a second. Doesn't it seem like it's saying people earned their way into heaven by doing good things for other people? This is why the Bible is so fun because we have these big questions to figure out. What is it? What does God want from us? 
And I hope today we go through this together and as we zoom out a little bit, you can see this passage in the broader text of what's happening in all of scripture. You see in all of scripture, we see things like in Genesis 15, five, when it says, Abram believed the Lord and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his fill in the blank faith. And then of course, our favorite verse, John three sixteen, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Whoever believes in him. And finally, it doesn't get any clearer than this. Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine, Paul writes, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. So clearly Jesus is not saying we get into heaven by any amount of good that we do for him or anybody else. What is he saying then? Maybe, this is what I present to you today, maybe. He's saying that when we believe in him, there are external ways to tell that he is working inside of us and changing our lives. We know we are on our way to living forever with God because we start to listen to what he's saying and we start to obey, right? Now, I was thinking of an illustration for this and the best thing I could think of was a dog. So, so come along with me. This is kind of like owning a dog. And in a second here, you're gonna see a picture of a very cute dog. This is my fiance Tika's golden retriever. I promised you, Bodhi. Now, don't be fooled by Bodhi's cuteness in this picture. You need to know Bodhi is an absolute menace. He's huge. He swings his tail really wide. He knocks things over all the time. He chews holes in shoes. He gets distracted by butterflies so he can hardly even sit. And one time he broke the water main at his parents' house or at Tika's parents' house and the whole backyard flooded into a lake. But how happy do I get when I say Bodhi sit and Bodhi actually sits? And how happy do I get when I say Bodhi come and Bodhi actually comes? If Bodhi ever didn't listen to me, right? If he, if he obeyed, would I sell him or, or would I give him away? Think of your own dog. If you called your own dog to you and it didn't come when you called it, would you ever give it away? Would you ever disown it? Probably not, I hope not. I wouldn't with Bodhi, but why not? Because I love Bodhi and because you probably love your dog too. But at the same time, if you're going to have a dog, you wanna train it so that it listens to you. The more your dog listens to you, the more your dog's gonna feel like it's yours. It comes when you call, it sits when you ask it to. And when Bodhi comes and sits and I get happy with him, he gets happy too. When he sees the happiness on my face, he starts wagging his tail and smiling because he's happy about it too. It's like one big happiness circle. It's not a perfect metaphor, right? But it's a start. This is what Jesus might be getting at in this passage. Once you have put your faith in him, you are his. He'll never disown you. You'll always be with God. That's the good news. And at the same time, you should find yourself wanting to make God happy. That's the mark of the Holy Spirit in your life. When you say, Father, God, all I want to do with my life is to make you happy. Just like Bodhi, all I want to do with my life is make my master happy. 
That's the mark of the Holy Spirit in your life. One biblical scholar said it like this, Matthew 25 doesn't so much describe the root of our salvation as it describes the fruit of our salvation. In other words, the basis of God's unconditional love for you will always be your faith that Jesus Christ came and died to deliver you from sin and death. And yet at the same time, just like a test score, if you're a student, or just like a performance review, if you're working, we should be able, we should be able to see measurables that the love of Christ is changing us from the inside out. This passage, Matthew 25, is talking about the measurables. As I was studying for this, I heard this about, you know, consider this from the negative side too. In Matthew 25, according to this passage, Pastor Brian Loritz writes, if you are not engaging with the poor, if you're not engaging with the poor, you have little biblical grounds for evidence that you're actually following Jesus. It's a harsh word. That was a harsh word for me when I read it too. But he says, if you're not engaging with the poor, there's little evidence that you're taking Jesus seriously. It's as if Jesus is kind of saying, okay, you're mine. I love you, but show me how my love has changed you. He's saying, I, I get it. You, you've been born again. I took care of that for you. But what will you do with this new life? That's the question before you and I today. Now, as I was writing this and studying these words, what you do or do not do for the least of these, you do or do not do for Jesus. It just hit me. I don't do what I should do for the least of these, which means according to this Bible, I don't do what I should be doing for Jesus. And so I want to take a quick moment now, if you're kind of feeling the weight of that, I don't want you to get caught in guilt or shame or condemnation right now because that is not the voice of God. But the voice of God is calling you to pause and to consider your own life right now. And so I ask you, just in a moment of reflection, where have you failed to see Jesus in the face of the beggar, the crook, the immigrant in the face of your enemy? Where have you failed to do that? And God, over myself and over every person who might feel like me right now, I pray, God, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. Have mercy, God. So what do we do with this? In the book of Leviticus, a very exciting read, if you haven't read it yet, God is setting the ground rules for his people. He tells the landowners that when harvest time comes around, don't pick the crops all the way on the edge of your field. He actually says, leave those alone. Don't pick them. Those are for the poor of your community. Am I, are we, are we leaving margin in our lives for the poor to have enough too? We're not talking about welfare here because if we were, we'd be giving those crops out. We're talking about poor people being able to come and work for the things that they need to live, right? God is asking, how will you use the talents I gave you, the business I gave you, the home I gave you, the money I gave you to help lift people from the oppression of poverty? How are you gonna use those things 
that God gave you? How am I going to use the things that God gave me? He's saying just because this year we made more money, we made more sales, or we even kept a job and now we can, we can just buy a better car, we could buy, we could eat a better restaurant, we could eat at a better restaurant, we could add on to a beautiful house we have. Just because we could, it doesn't mean we should. It doesn't mean you should. You want to know how to be a radical follower of Jesus in Santa Barbara? I was reflecting on this. Here's one way. We don't spend money on ourselves just because we have some extra money. To be a radical follower of Jesus in Santa Barbara means when we have some extra money, we don't use that on ourselves. We say, that God, that was from you, and so I'm going to use it for your purposes. Here's a story that I thought illustrated this principle really well, and we're going to finish up pretty soon here with this one. Shane Claiborne is an author, a pastor, an activist. He's everything. He came a couple weeks ago for the Santa Barbara Mission Conference, and he shared this story, and I have to give it to you because it's too good not to say. After college, Shane and his buddies, they moved to India to work with Mother Teresa and the Sisters of Charity in Calcutta. And, and Shane and his buddies, they were assigned to an orphanage there with about 100 boys. And he said, one day at the orphanage, there was a boy who had a birthday and Shane loved this boy. And so what Shane did is he, he left the premises, he went and he got an ice cream cone and he brought it back. But at the same time, Shane knew that if he were to give this ice cream cone to the birthday boy, he was gonna stir up some trouble. You see, everybody else would have been like, where's my ice cream cone too, right? And so Shane, he gets this, his, this boy, he pulls him aside. He says, hey, birthday boy, I got this for you, but you have to keep it a secret. Don't tell anybody that I got this ice cream cone for you because I don't want them to know. But sure enough, the boy grabs the ice cream cone. And what does he do? The boy yells at the top of his lungs, hey, everyone, I got ice cream. But what would you expect to happen? Jealousy, anger, rage? What happened was every single one of this guy's friends, every single kid in that orphanage, they came up and they got in line and the birthday boy took the first lick and then he started passing it down the line. And every single person in that line got a lick of the ice cream. You know, I think in reflecting on this story, what this little boy understood that I'm still trying to understand myself is that our definition of extra depends on our definition of what is enough. Our definition of extra depends entirely upon how we define what is enough. The boy had a single scoop of ice cream, but he had a totally different definition of what is enough. And what happened? He shared his joy with the entire place. And so what about you? What about me? What's our definition of enough? And where does it come from? Does it come from your bills? I, that's real. But also, does it come from you, yourself? Does it come from your spouse? Does it come from your neighbors who just updated to a new solar system? Does it come from Instagram? Does it come from the Kardashians? Definitely not, right? Or does God get to define what's enough for you? Have you let God define in your life when to stop? What is enough? This is God's invitation for us, not just for today, but for all of life. God's inviting us to do the things that make him happy, to rightly define what is enough so we can rightly give away our extra. This week in our series, 
We've been detoxing all up until now. We detox comparison last week. This week, we're detoxing things. We're giving up the temporary pleasures of having food, of having clothes, of having water or comfort. We're giving all that up so that we can have the lasting joy of living beyond ourselves. In a year of death, church, in a tragic year of death, I've been thinking a lot about what it is to live too. I've been thinking about life. Like, what am I really here to do? What does God really want from me? And when it's time to go, how are people going to remember me? How are, how are people going to remember you? Did I make my master happy, ultimately? Did I do what God wanted me to do? A year like this has caused us to wrestle with these questions more than any other year. And as Christians, this is what we do. We need to wrestle with these questions. Jono and I were praying this morning about, <laughs> I was just asking him for prayer because I felt unprepared, but we were praying about this sermon. And I, as we were praying, I heard the Lord say for me and for our church, this isn't meant to be a punch in the gut. God isn't a God who hurts you. But actually the image God gave me was, this is meant to be something like a defibrillator. But what is it? That's the thing that you put on or, or in the movies where the doctor says clear and they put on the pads and they zap you and it brings your heart back to life. It brings a dead heart back to life. And God said, DJ, that is the image I want you to give your church today. Not a dead heart, but a heart that's come back alive. Not a kick in the pants, but like a, let's go, you're back to life. We got work to do. And if it's true, church, that we are children of God, if it's true that you're a child of God, then that means God has put his very heart inside of us. That means God's missional heart for the lost and the last and the least, that's right here. And he wants that heart to come alive today, I think. And so if you have the ears to hear, guys, I don't want this just to be a moment or another sermon or some experience. I want this to be a shock that reactivates your heart to live for the least of these. A shock so that your heart would beat every single day to be looking out for where Jesus could be out in the world. That's the kind of thing we're trying to do. I'm gonna pray and John's gonna come up and we're gonna tell you about a really exciting opportunity we have as a church this week. Father, it's so easy in my own life, it's so easy to pray something like this. And it's exactly like James says, it's exactly like looking in a mirror and then turning away and forgetting what we looked like. It's knowing the right things to do, God, but finding it so hard to do sometimes. And so I pray today, God, that you, by your Holy Spirit, would do the work of reactivating, would do the work of revitalizing our church. If you'd pray with me in your own heart, Jesus, I, I give you permission to do this surgery in my heart. I give you permission to open my eyes, to be there for the hungry, for the thirsty, for the naked, for the sick, and for the prisoner. Jesus, I'm tired of living for myself. I see the bigger story you're inviting me into, and I want a part of it. Sign me up, God. I'm here. Do with me what you will. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.
Thank you. Wow. I don't even know what to say, except sometimes God's word comforts us and sometimes it convicts us. And again, the, the key is to just what you said, to be responsive. And so this week, we're not just going to leave you hanging. We have an incredible opportunity to lean in, to jump in, in practical ways to make a difference in the lives in our community with the least of these. Why don't you tell us more about it? It's Wednesday night, right? Wednesday night, exactly, right at 5.30. We're gonna show you guys some slides right now. I know I didn't give you your detox assignments yet, but here they are. They're gonna be shown in these slides. On Wednesday, we're gonna come together in person in the Community Covenant Church parking lot for what we're calling the Matthew 25 Drive. These are your detox assignments for the week. Families, I want you to think about how you can do this stuff together. Pick one activity of the four you see in front of you, feeding the hungry, giving water to the thirsty, visiting the prisoner or clothing the naked. And I want you to commit to both the act of solidarity and the act of service that we're inviting you into. You can think of solidarity like an activation of the heart because you're actually literally putting yourself in the place of someone who has to suffer with hunger or suffer with thirst every single day of their lives. This is activating your heart. And then you could think of service as activating your hands. Once your heart is caught up in it, what are you gonna do about it? And so we have an opportunity both for you to experience that and to respond to it. So commit, pick one, show up to CCC this Wednesday at 5.30 and we'll direct you uh, where to go and, and what to do from there. Thanks church. Well, gosh, I'm kind of sitting here going, let's give, can we give them a teaser of a couple of things they're gonna be doing or no? Totally. Yeah. yeah. Tell yeah. Them to, to give them, give them some things of, of what we're gonna, what they're gonna do. Yeah. You guys know this. More people are hungry in our community and in our county than ever before. COVID has taken a huge hit. So we're gonna collect a literal truckload of food. And I don't want to exaggerate. This depends on you. We're gonna collect a truckload of food and we're gonna bring it to the food bank right after we're done. It's gonna go out to families all over the community who need food right now. And it's the same thing with clothing, a truckload of clothing. Can we do it as a church? I think so. Absolutely. Yeah. And in fact, I think one of the detox takeaways assignments is because of Matthew 25, pick 25 items out of your cabinets for of canned food or out of your closet and clothes that you're willing to give away. Clothes maybe that are in, in great condition, but you're going, I haven't worn that in uh, over a year or two and bring that Wednesday night. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then we're going to distribute that. So you're going to be challenged to make some decisions, but to live open-handedly and to live beyond yourself. I'm excited. Me I can't too. wait. Me too. Hey, we haven't done this in a while, but we want to remind everybody that God is good. All the time. All the time. God is good. And he's better than we think. God bless you. So come. Before you re-enter your day, we hope that you will take just a few moments to pause and respond to what God has put on your heart through this message. Thank you again for listening to the Ocean Hills podcast. For access to more sermons, visit the Watch and Listen page on OceanHills.org or find them on the Ocean Hills app.